Well, today we are finishing our series on hard questions. So guys, we've finished hard questions about the Bible. We got it, right? We've had some good weeks talking about hell, talking about some of the super difficult passages of the Bible, talking about the wars in the Old Testament, you know, what's going on here. It is good to ask hard questions. We believe that questions asked in an atmosphere of trust actually it builds relationships. It, it encourages us to have good relationships. If you have a question about something going on with me, talk to me. Come and talk to me. In an atmosphere of trust, there's a difference between saying, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about why, why you're doing that and saying, why on earth would you ever do that, right? We want to talk about these things. We don't want to just ignore them. We want to bring them into light. We may not have everything resolved and figured out immediately, but we want to talk about it bring it into the light. This is what it means to be in a healthy relationship, and God wants to have healthy relationships with us. One of my colleagues, uh, when we were doing work in Connecticut, we led some youth retreats together, and he had a very large youth group. Uh, this church, I mean, I won't even tell you how much their building campaign was. It was, but he had a large youth group, and uh, every year he would take the seniors out for this, like, youth re the senior retreat before they went off to college and at this retreat they would celebrate how amazing high school was and how amazing the youth group was and what amazing things god did and then look forward to their their freshman year of college and how they were just going to be awesome followers of jesus and how their um, future is just going to be amazing and then one year he said you know what actually not everyone has amazing high school experiences and many of our kids are struggling when they go to college so he changed everything they spent the weekend talking about some of the hard things that they had been experiencing some of the hard things inside themselves some of their doubts and fears and anxieties looking forward to college some of the ways that college was going to be rough and challenge their faith oh his volunteers hated it they said jake if you do that again. We, we're, we're not coming. We're not volunteering for that weekend. That was like a depressing weekend. Bring back the, the happy weekend. But his high school seniors were maybe wiser. They thanked him for it. And you should have heard how many kids came back after their freshman year of college and said, thank you. Freshman year of college was hard. You acknowledged it. I, I prepared for it. Thank you for tackling those hard questions. So I want to talk today about what is maybe one of the more common hard things that, that we face kind of in and out, especially in a church like ours. It can under my skin. It can drive some of us a little crazy. It can make us look a little bit foolish. I want to talk about when Christians are wrong. When we think that we hear God leading, God telling, God, God guiding somewhere else. But hmm, it's not working out that way. Let's, let's talk about that. And this may not be something that bothers all of us. I've talked to some people who are not bothered by this at all. They say, yep, some of my compatriots are just wrong. Doesn't bother me at all. Yep, they're, this was wishful thinking, this was whatever, that's between them, that's not on me, that's their problem. But for most of us, when, when Christians we know and love, trust and respect from Christian leaders, or when I myself 
I'm wrong about where we think God is leading us. It's confusing and painful for us. As I was preparing for this, I thought like, well, I, I have felt God guiding me in many directions. I've just, oh, I've been so grateful. I've listened to the Lord. I've been so grateful. Other people have listened to the Lord and, and shared things with me, incredibly helpful and encouraging. But are there times where, you know, Christians have told me things, maybe, you know, they, they called it a prophetic word, or maybe they just call it, hey, God's telling me some, some of this, that we're wrong. Hmm. Let me think. The answer is yes. Uh, I was in China for three years uh, after, after college, um, from when I was like 22 to uh, 26, 27. And um, I had a woman who's super helpful to me while I was over there. She prayed for me, a source of huge encouragement uh, to keep going when I was really lonely and isolated. Super helpful. I really loved and, and trusted her. And she said, Sarah, this may not be a huge surprise given my age. Um, she said, Sarah, I feel like the Lord is telling me that you're going to meet your husband in China. I met my husband in the exotic city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So this was wrong. Wrong. It did not come to pass. But I did what you are supposed to do. I circled back with her a couple days later and said, you know what, honestly, I just, maybe I've just, I'm not open-minded enough or whatever, let's talk about this. It doesn't quite seem right to me. So we talked through, we prayed through, we worked through it. Fast forward, um, you know, a number of years later, I was in seminary, and seminary is a very serious place. And I had a number of people tell me, Sarah, if you are a single woman pursuing ministry, you will never get married just fine. Um, you know, I was, I, that doesn't have to happen, right? But my advisor was actually, my academic advisor was the strongest on this. She said, no way. If you are married, if you are single when you enter ministry, that no man will want to marry. It's like, maybe men who love Jesus might, you know. So it was messy. It was confusing. There were parts that was wrong, but it was a source of encouragement. It helped me to question. It helped me to to think outside the boxes that other people were putting in these, these boxes. And at the end of the day, I just really wanted to hear from God and to hear from God in community because that was a life-giving process for me. Like all problems, this problem of hearing wrongly from God is not new. And it is documented in the Bible. God doesn't keep this a secret that then we figure out like, oh my gosh, I thought this was a guaranteed thing. No, this is addressed many times throughout scripture. So I want us to take a look at this, asking God these hard questions in an atmosphere of trust. So let's pray together and then we'll see what the Bible has to say. Jesus, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you for scripture let me just say, Lord God, in the midst of big life questions, in the midst of being messy sometimes, in the midst of all the things going on that we trust, trust your word, we come to hear from you and hear from your word. So would you shape us and form us this morning? We give you our attention, we give you our focus and our dedication. In Jesus' name. 
So we're going to be looking this morning at the book of Acts. The a book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, the disciples. Uh, after uh, Jesus has uh, been resurrected, ascended back to heaven, they start building the, the church, planning the first churches, traveling around, preaching the gospel. And we're looking at the end of Acts when Paul is at the end of his career. He's planted many churches and now he's kind of on a farewell lap around the, uh, some of the church that he planted, some which he did not, um, saying goodbye to them. We're going to start reading in chapter 20. Chapter 20, verse 22, if you have a Bible, you can read along. Uh, Paul is speaking to the um, group at uh, Ephesus, to the Ephesian church, and he says, now I am compelled by the Spirit. I have this, this urge from the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul continues um, commending himself, um, praying over them, committing them to God. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was him saying that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to his ship. So that's the first place. He says, I'm, I'm compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. After we had torn ourselves away from them, this is Luke writing. Luke writes this. He was a companion, a, a firsthand eyewitness um, for many of these trips for what happened starting the early church. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we went out to sea and sailed to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes. From there, Pataria, we found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia. We went on board to set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. If you're familiar with these places, this would all be like, ooh, you went from there to there. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them for seven days because you always want to find a church wherever you go through the Spirit. These people urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. So he finds a church there, like, oh. Some, the Holy Spirit gave them some sort of warning. They said, don't go to Jerusalem. We did, however, leave, continued on our way. Um, all of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out from the city. And there on the beach, again, they knelt together to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and then landed at Ptolemais, where we greeted the believers and stayed with them for a day. Then we went to Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters, so young girls most likely, who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied it around his hands, tied it around his feet, and said, The Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Kind of a prophetic action there. When we heard this, 
we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, to be captive, but also to die in Jerusalem for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Paul does continue to Jerusalem where he will be uh, imprisoned. So here we see we see, we see mixed messages, right? Paul says, I have this urging from the Lord to, to go to Jerusalem. People tell him through the, through the Spirit um, in some, some way not to go. Uh, he's warned uh, with this prophetic action that, that bad things are waiting for him there, but he continues on. So we have some mixed messages, some crossing of signals here. What's going on? Well, in, in some ways, they got the same thing. They had just different interpretations of what to do with it. Some said, through the Spirit, don't go. They didn't say, this will be hard. I think you shouldn't go. They, they sensed a, a warning and said, you know, this is how, you know, I'm interpreting it. I, I'm acting on it. But as we look at what's happening here, I think there are a couple of super important, helpful things for us even in the midst of confusion. This was not a cut and dried like, wow, thus saith the Lord, and now our life is all settled, like God spoke to us and everything is crystal clear. Even in the midst of this like messy leading, messy guiding from the Lord, we see the role of like prophets, people who hear from the Lord. We see, we see that really elevated and, and valued. These four daughters where, you know, young girls, probably 12, 13, um, they didn't have a high place in society. But they heard from the Lord, so they're mentioned, they're called out, they're, they're named. Agabus, he, um, he was very respected. Um, people listened to him and put their, put their money where his um, words led. He had predicted the um, famine in Judea. And before it even happened, they collected a lot of money and gave money away um, for, for the famine um, in Judea. So even in the midst of this like messiness, we see the, the role of people who hear, hear the Lord really celebrated uh, and valued. But then as we, we think about his travels, his, his goodbye, the, these mixed messages, what should be by far what should stand out to us the most as we think about what's happening here? What should we see here? Guys, we should see love. Most of all, we should see the love of this community. What's happening as they're listening to God? They are loving each other well. They're kneeling down and praying together. They're spending lots of time together. They're caring for each other. They are wanting to hear from the Lord for Paul because they love him. They love the church the Bible says we see through a mirror darkly. There's, there's fuzziness here. But love. The, the Bible says, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, even if we heard crystal clear perfectly and we did not love other people, it would be worthless. They had some of that fuzziness, but they loved well, and that makes all the difference in the world. It was, a, it was a fallible community. It was, you know, we can be confused, but it was a loving community. And that means 
everything. The prophecy was difficult, complicated for the community, but this prophecy prepared them for what lay ahead. Imagine how much more difficult this would be if everyone was blindsided by this, if the church wasn't prepared, if Paul wasn't prepared. We need to hear from the Lord. When God speaks, when, when we hear from God, it just resolves things. It, it settles things and makes it just so much easier for us to bear whatever is ahead of us. Oh, look, I still have my mask on. There we go. Um, uh, a couple, maybe a couple months ago, um, something happened um, that I felt very strongly criticized for. And um, some of it, I'm sure, was um, my fault. Um, and... Um, you know, families are just complicated. They're complicated. Anyways, um, I went to bed, couldn't really sleep because I just felt, oh, it just, it just bothers me. You know, you feel the weight of, of all of this. And I got up the next morning still thinking about this critique. And um, I go to pray. You know, sometimes when you're half talking to God, half talking to yourself, so God, I give you this, and I just start talking to myself. You know what? I'd like to see him try. I'd like to see him do any better with this. And then I just felt God speak to me and say, I didn't ask him to try. I asked you to try. Ah, I just changed everything. I'm like, oh, God, you asked me, thank you. Thank you, God, for entrusting me with this high task. And you don't expect perfection. You're, you're okay with this. Thank you, Jesus, for asking me to try. It changed everything. It resolved everything for me. Also, friends, we don't, we don't believe in prophecy. We believe in Jesus, we don't trust prophecy, we trust Jesus. And then we listen to him, we, we do our best to hear from him, we, we follow where he's guiding. But our faith is not in whatever you say. Our faith is not in whatever I think. Our faith is in Jesus. Faith is only as good as the object of our faith. People can have faith in some real flimsy things. People can have faith in astrology and self-help bloggers and political movements. We have faith in Jesus. A couple of considerations um, just really to, to ground us in looking at um, hearing from God, following God, following God's guidings. First thing, it's usually about what, not when. God is outside time, all of that. There are two types of prophecy. Um, the first type is foretelling, which kind of explains what's happening here and now. You know, why am I feeling this way? What's going on in this relationship? Understanding the here and now. The vast majority of hearing from God is this foretelling, explaining what's happening right, right here and right now. And guys, if we can do well with the right here and right now, the future will most likely take care of itself. They are, of course, forthtelling, which predicts the future, helps us prepare. This was an example of uh, forthtelling. Um, but I think it's good to know there are two different types. Most of it is really explaining the here and now, not predicting what's going to happen in the future. And we see really this emphasis on what, not when, because it's about God's heart about God accomplishing his 
purposes, God's heart for us. So for example, um, in 1 Kings, God gave Elijah three things to do, told him, hey, I'm going to let you do, um, anoint Hazael king, anoint Jehu king, and commission Elisha as your predecessor. Now, Elijah was a good prophet. He was a good prophet. You know how many of those things he did? Out of those three jobs? One. He accomplished one of those. The other two tasks were accomplished by Elisha, his, his successor. So in his lifetime, he only saw one of them happen, but all three came to pass because God does what he says. And he is not always super concerned that we see it to acknowledge it and to understand it. God is not that concerned with proving himself, his, himself to us. God does what he says. And we're like, wait, no way. I didn't see that happen. When did that happen? And God just continues with his plan. And guys, this is why we want to tackle hard questions. This is why we want to say, hey, that prophetic guy said that I didn't have there is this. I, I thought we want to look these hard questions in the face, be open and honest about it, and find that we can trust God. We can't always trust, you know, other humans or other Christian leaders necessarily, but we can trust God. The second dynamic that we see that I think is just really good to be aware of um, is an idea of, um, I call it like continuous fulfillment. So it's kind of like if a dad says to his son, hey, when you grow up, I'm going to get you a set of wheels. So he's got this little kid and gives him a tricycle and that's cute. And then when he's uh, 14, gets him a nice bike. And with this bike, he's able to go to his job, get his first job, have some transportation. Good, very generous, a nice bike, you know, that's expensive. Is that the fulfillment of the father's promise that he would give him a set of wheels? Well, no, probably not. You know, he turns 16, you know, gets a, you know, a used Honda, awesome. He can go places. This, this is the fulfillment of his father's promise to get him a set of wheels. Well, then, you know, his dad gets older, maybe inheritance, maybe something else. His dad gives him the, his cherished, beloved, you know, old Mustang, Oh, is this what he meant when he said, I would give you a set of wheels as the old must? Maybe all of them are. Maybe all of them are. It's continually fulfilled because it's his purpose. It's his plan. It's his heart to provide, uh, to, to, to give this to his kid. But we see it fulfilled continuously. So many of the prophecies in the Bible are this. Prophecies about uh, the coming king to, to rule over Israel. Fulfilled in David, fulfilled in Hezekiah, fulfilled. We see them fulfilled, fulfilled, fulfilled. Ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Because God gets his way and he's continuing to bring his kingdom and his plans in greater and greater ways. And then, of course, really, there's always the me factor. I am involved in things about the earth, about humans, about my life, and that introduces a huge degree of uncertainty. God speaks because he loves us. And whenever there's communication, we can mishear, we can misinterpret. The, the problem isn't with God and God speaking. The problem is probably on this side of the uh, communication gap, communication bridge. 
you know, I can change. I can cooperate with the word. I can respond to her. I can push it back. I can, you know, lean into it. How many people have had really good promises from the Lord? Like, you know, you're going to grow up and, you know, have this great ministry and, uh, you know, lead people to the Lord and then not cooperate with it turn away from the Lord. You know, we, can, we have a choice of how we respond. We can cooperate and live into things or not. You know, we have, you know, promises from the Lord, like your home is going to be a place of peace and love and safety. And then we go home and immediately start, you know, yelling at people. Well, we're not cooperating. We're not leaning into receiving, claiming God's word over our life. We see this all the time um, in throughout scripture. Um, Jeremiah explains it very clearly. He says, um, Jeremiah 18, if at any time I announce that a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, destroyed, and that nation repents, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. If at another time, you know, God says through some prophetic thing that, um, you know, announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up, it's to be planted. But then that planting isn't good. They, they do evil, don't obey me, then I will reconsider the good that I had intended for it. And this is probably um, most uh, famous in the story of Jonah, Jonah and the whale. Um, God says, hey, Jonah, go tell Nineveh, I'm going to destroy it. Jonah knew this. And he said, I don't want to tell them you're going to destroy them because if they repent, you won't destroy them. Well, then the whale comes in and all of that. Finally, he goes and says, hey, guys, God's going to destroy you. They repent. They, they confess to the Lord, say, sorry, change their ways. God does not destroy them. They're good. They've had a repenting, changing moment. Does that mean that God's word was false? Because Jonah said, God will destroy Nineveh. There's Nineveh. Doing well, not destroyed. We have a choice of how we respond. God's always merciful. God's gracious, right? There's the human element. And we can't say, oh, I mean, we don't want Nineveh. Just we want to follow God's word, lean in to the good that God has for us. So we're involved. And that's what God wants. God wants to work in our lives. God wants us to respond and cooperate with his word uh, last weekend, um, last weekend, guys, I was not in church. Um, last weekend, I was uh, in Chicago with my sister. We just had a brand new baby, super cute. Um, and at one point in time, we were praying over the baby. I love praying over babies; it's beautiful. And um, he's just said, "Like, let's let's pray for him. Let's speak words, you know, over his life." And uh, my my daughter uh, started praying for him and said. You know, I, I feel like God is saying that Harrison Reese is going to be used by the Lord to, to tell many people about Jesus. Um, he doesn't have to be all the way grown up, um, but like uh, my age, JC's age, and he's going to tell many people about Jesus. Unbeknownst to her, um, his middle name is, he's named after a famous evangelist um, who has a, a history, it's slightly obscure. Um, my sister discovered this in a book and, and named the baby uh, this middle name. But it's just really beautiful and confirming that, you know, what, what my sister heard over her child is the same thing that her cousin 
purred over her child and is speaking that out. It's really beautiful and confirming um, to, to the mom. Uh, the baby doesn't really know any different at this point in time. Um, but to my daughter, we want to hear from God, hear from God in community, in love. There's just no substitute when God speaks to us. You know, as we start to wrap things up, I do think one of our problems with some of the things in the Christian life is that it just plain seems too good to be true. It's just plain seems too good to be true that God really does speak to us and guys, just little old us out of billions and billions of people. And what about this? What about that? It seems too good to be true that we are new creations in Jesus. I do not always feel it. It seems too good to be true that we have the full inheritance of Christ. You know, maybe you're like, I'm flat broke. I can't even comprehend. It seems too good to be true sometimes that all our sins are forgiven when I still feel the embarrassment of last week's mistakes. But that's why we trust Jesus. That's why we live by faith. That's why we do not trust prophecy. We trust Jesus and we trust him 100%. And then we listen, and we love, and we follow Jesus. Um, you know, I think as we end this morning, it can be very easy to discount the power of loving in community, to discount the power of hearing from God in communities. Maybe sometimes it is because it gets a little messy. Maybe sometimes it's because we don't believe in the power of God to speak, to guide, and to do that in community. You know, it's not, it's not wishful thinking or false optimism to think that God's love will save the world. That's Christianity. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent us Jesus. As we, as we think about the complexities of hearing from God, of, of following God. I think the Bible gives us this uh, example of, of Paul's uh, experience going to Jerusalem so that we really, uh, that we would not use God's words to like get our way, but we would hold them closely, value what God says to us, being humble, listening to God well, loving others well, and trusting Jesus as we follow him. Uh, let's stand together and pray if the worship team wants to come on up. Hearing Jesus is not always easy, but it is always worth it. We don't always understand everything immediately. We can't always trust other people, but we can always trust God. God will do what he says. God will complete his job it's not our job, it's God's job. And we can trust him to do what he has said. Let's pray together. And then we'll move into a time of worship. Jesus, we thank you. As we turn to you with questions, maybe some of us have real questions that we need guidance from you today. Maybe some of us have uh, experiences of hearing from you so clearly or uh, things that have been very confusing and hurtful, Jesus. We give that to you. And this morning, we want to, to ground and root ourselves in trusting you. You are the God who has come from heaven to earth, 
who has lived life with us, who has taught us clearly and plainly. And it's your, your desire, Jesus, that we would turn to you in all things, Lord God. So this morning, we give you places um, where we, we may have misheard from you, where others may have misheard from you. We come to you in humility, Lord God, in humbleness. We're not always right, but you are. You are Jesus. And we thank you for how dependable, how reliable, how faithful and trustworthy you are today, tomorrow, and every day of our lives to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh,